welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Misato. I am here in Denver, Colorado, where the Thunder play Saturday night against the Nuggets, and I am joined via telephone by Barry Trammell. Um, and we're gonna we're we're kind of in in, in between games here, but we want to go over the first game. Um, the Thunder loses to the Timberwolves one fifteen to one hundred eight on Wednesday night in Minneapolis. Um, Barry. My my thought for this pod, we, we both we both rotate and pick six players, three players apiece that we want to highlight that stood out the most, that had the best story, whatever whatever criteria you want to put on it. So I'm going to cede the floor to you. What which player do you want to talk about first from Wednesday night? Well, I think uh, I think we ought to start at the top and go with Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's a solid choice. I mean, I, I thought he was fabulous. Um, got off to a bad start, but, man, he was good in that second half. And really, from the last three quarters, he was two or three shooting in quarter two. So we're talking about a guy 12 of 23 shooting, 32 points, uh, went right into the teeth to the Timberwood defense, which used to be damning with faint, faint praise, is no longer since uh, – since the French resistance is uh, now calling Minneapolis his home. So he went right at Rudy Gobert and, and finished strong. So uh, very encouraged about, about Shea Gilgis-Alexander. My bold prediction, Barry, uh, he's averaging 32 points a game. That's that's north of 26.8 the last time I checked. So You're looking um, very sharp. You're I, looking very strong so far. Only, very strong. Only 81 to go and probably not 81. So... Um, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought Shea was phenomenal and he was understandably rusty in the first half. And I think that showed, especially conditioning wise, just getting a feel for things. I mean, this is a guy who missed pretty much all of training camp. He missed all six preseason games, hadn't played a regular season NBA game in like seven months. So, but it it seemed like it only took him, I don't know, one half, one quarter to shake off that rust. He was phenomenal in the second half was was pretty efficient and you know his, his scoring around the the rim was incredibly efficient and if you can do that against Rudy Gobert you can do it against just about anybody um I was also going to pick Shea Gilgis Alexander first I will go to a guy that I think had the best story from Wednesday night and a guy I'm gonna write about for Sunday um and that's Eugene Omarui Eugene Omarui is on a two-way contract uh, with the Thunder. He played four games for the Mavericks last year. Um, was a five-year college player. Played four seasons or three seasons at Rutgers, sat out a season, and then finished up at Oregon. And a guy, myself included, and a lot of other people didn't know too much about. You look at the line, it's like, why are you talking about him? He shot one of five, um, oh of two from three, four rebounds, and uh, – scored four points but Barry the Thunder was plus 13 when Omar Rui was on the floor and that coincided with their big run in the third quarter and you know he's undersized at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, but he's 250 pounds and just a absolute fighter down there and, and he did a great job I thought on Carl Towns. Yeah you know the Thunder goes with the unique you mentioned wrote about it the unique starting lineup of Kenrich Williams and and Poku at center. Um, 
course, you know, a unique starting lineup is is necessary sometimes against a, a team that starts two seven-footers, which the Timberwolves do. Um, Kenrich, uh, really everybody that went against uh, Katmandu did pretty well because he ended up with 12 points on two of 10 shooting. But, uh, yeah, Omarui, he was, uh, he was physical. He seemed fearless. Now, he, he was sort of lost on offense. He didn't really, um, you know, just because you're fearless doesn't mean you're good. So he'd charge in there and not know exactly what to do. But um, but that defensive fight, I thought, was very encouraging. It showed his readiness to at least compete in the NBA. So guy on with a two-league contract, he'll – He'll be an interesting guy to keep up, keep up with because the Thunder has shown that it has no qualms about about throwing guys in there on the on the two way. Yeah, uh, we saw Dort go from you know from the blue to the starting lineup and you know just a, a sliver of time. Yeah, Aaron so, Wiggins was another guy last year. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so his his uh, stock with the Thunder went up, I would say, with that uh, with that performance. In, in reporting for the story that I'm going to write for Sunday. I found out that in high school they called him the Canadian Draymond Green, which is a compliment. Although with you know recent events, maybe it makes you <laughs> think a little bit. But um, you know, obviously Eugene is not Draymond Green, but like you can see the physical similarities and also you know the the defense. Now um, Draymond is one of the best passers in, in the league, and I think they like what. Omarui can do from a passing standpoint, but still has a ways to go there. But I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I, you know he's uh, he's a little overconfident, I think, in his shot uh, from deep. Although I guess he shot pretty well in the preseason, if I remember right. But that's a, that's a uh, commonality. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. They shot 45 three-pointers, for crying out loud. Well, that's one a minute. They shot one a minute is what they shot. Um, but, you know, he's he looks like he's going to get the chance. And, you know, with, with Jalen uh, – my mistake – Santa Clara Williams out forever how long, you know, that's one less big physical body. You know, they don't play the same position, but they're both sort of the same build in terms of big, strong guys. He's, he's probably going to get a little bit more rub yeah. uh, courtesy of the injury to Santa Clara. Yeah, just a quick update on that. The Thunder announced today that Jalen Williams of Santa Clara uh, underwent eye surgery, uh, right orbital fracture. Uh, it was stemming from that play that Mark Thagnall challenged and didn't win, but Jaden McDaniels goes for a pretty ferocious dunk attempt and uh, Jalen Williams jumps to sort of meet him at the rim, and he takes an elbow to the face and was down for quite a while, had to be helped off the floor by trainer. So the Thunder said he's going to be reevaluated in 7 to 10 days. Obviously, that doesn't mean he's going to be back in 7 to 10 days, but he, say he's back 10 days from now, that's still missing about five games. So um, expect him to miss at least that long. I think Aaron Wiggins, who didn't even play last night, to my surprise, I, I'm a big Aaron Wiggins guy, but he he's someone who might get some more minutes now that Jalen Williams is out. But um, all right, Barry, your your next player. Who are we talking about next? I guess I'll go to. I guess I'll go to my favorite Thunder, Lou Dort. Um, 
we have become accustomed to seeing new stuff out of Dort each season in terms of offensive improvement, whether it's better three-point shooting, whether it's the ability to drive and finish, whether it's the, the ability to uh, you know handle the point from time to time. You don't want it often, but from time to time. I am here to report that whatever Im- improvement uh, Lugens Dort is going to uh, bestow upon us this season has yet to come to pass. Um, it's only been one game. That's the good news. <laughs> it's only one game. Uh, he was 3 of 12 shooting. He's 1 of 6 from three-point range. I really wish I could get Lou Dort under five threes a game. That would be – what did he, was it seven or six or seven he averaged last year? Something crazy. Yeah, I think um, it was just over seven. Yeah, so uh, not much change there. Um, but he still plays basketball like he's charging up San Juan Hill. And there's something to be said for that. Se- 7.7, 7, by the way, Barry, last 7. year. 7.7. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, man. I wonder if Clay Thompson's ever averaged 7.7 three-pointers a game. Surely he has, right? Surely he has, but I don't know. For crying out loud. Anyway, uh, enough about the the demerits that Lou Dort uh, suffered on week game one. Uh, his uh, ferociousness has gone nowhere. It still remains. He had six rebounds. He uh, he throws himself in at everything, and he well, guarded Anthony the heck Edwards. out of Anthony Edwards. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he made Anthony Edwards' night just terrible. Anthony Edwards is a budding star. The whole league loves him. Thinks he's going to be a superstar. Uh, Anthony Edwards, four of seventeen shooting, uh, one one of seven from deep. He had eleven points. Um, not a good night for Anthony Edwards, and he's very pleased that uh, that uh, Lou Dort uh, left town b- before midnight. So yeah, um, well, and here's the deal on Edwards: like, if the Timberwolves are going to make a run, I mean, Anthony Edwards is going to be their best player, not not Carl Towns, not Rudy Gobert. Like Edwards is that franchise guy, even though um, he's sort of taking that crown away from Carl Anthony Towns, who also struggled. I mean, the Timberwolves won this game, and Towns and Edwards combined to shoot 6 of 27, which, you know, the Timberwolves as a whole didn't shoot it well, but they were also playing a team that didn't shoot it well, so that helped them survive, but not not great shooting all the way around. Um, The one thing I'll say about I, I do think Dort needs to limit his three-point attempts, particularly, you know, just take as many as you want from the corners, uh, I, I think would be pretty good advice. It's those above-the-break threes on the wings at the top of the key that are just tougher shots. And, and I don't think when the Thunder is, at, you know, at their hole or their realized version a couple years from now, I think Lou Dort's shot selection is going to have to change pretty drastically. I think part of it is a symptom of, you know, their lack of talent around him right now. As for the overall threes, I really don't mind. Like, they shot 45 threes. They made 14. That's 31%. But, like, (laughs) I don't want to say who cares, but who cares? I mean, this this is a rebuilding team, and they're playing the way that they want to play. You know, like, um, I, I listen to you and Aber and, you know, everyone talk about uh, the three-man and the four-man fronts that Brent Venables runs at, at OU. And, like, he wants to establish the system that he ran at Clemson, even if uh, they don't have the same guys that, that Clemson has right now at OU. 
Um, and I kind of see it a similar way with the Thunder. Like Mark Dagnall, Sam Presti, they have a vision for the offense they want to run. It's, you know, drive and kick. It's everyone moves the ball around. No one hangs on for it too long. And it's creating those open three-point attempts. So, like, if you do, you know, what the offense is asking you to do, you've got to shoot those threes because they're open. So I think they – I don't think they should cater their style of play to fit this team um, and – you know, telling them not to shoot as many threes. I don't, I don't know if that made any sense at all, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Well, I mean, I, I sort of agree in that you got to shoot a lot of threes to win. Um, it's like in baseball. you got to hit home runs. It's not 1914. You can't steal bases and bunt your way to victory. you got to hit the ball over the fence. And in the modern NBA, you got to make threes. You, gotta, you can't make them without shooting them. Um I was more laughing just at the whole, you know, a team that can't shoot and this team can't just taking so many. It wasn't like they were just on fire from two point range, uh, 24 of 54. So that's 12 of 20, 24, 54, uh, that's divided by six. So that's, uh, 44% from two point range. Um, you know, you need to beat that. So yeah. SGA was uh, ten of seventeen from ten. Yeah, yeah. You take him away, uh, and that's not good. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, oh good lord, he had almost half their two pointers made in this game. Uh, anyway, um, but but yeah, and you know, it, I sometimes think Dort gets in too big of a hurry offensively. Because yeah. he does everything. He does everything urgently. You know, he, he does everything like he's. Like his house on fire, and it's he, he's got a train to catch. So, um, you know, I, I don't mind when he does that kind of. I mean, that's just who he is. But he does need to little be a little judicious. You know, you talk about him more in the corner. They didn't get any. Cor- they didn't. They didn't. Get, they got very few corner threes. Uh, I thought. Um, I guess the Timberwolves with Gobert sort of know what they're doing on defense a little bit more now. So I'd, I'd like to see him shoot everybody, get more corner threes. Yeah, that, so and, of their – how many attempts did we say? 45, 41? 45, 45. So 11 of those were from the corner. Um, you'd want to see that, that – you, you'd want to see that increase a little bit. Yeah, I wonder what's the average for just a solid team. Any idea? I don't know. That's a good percentage. That's a question. Percentage of it's a good question. Dort was threes. 0 of two, by the way, from the corner. Oh well. Yeah. Well, that's just the way it goes sometimes, I suppose. But, um, but anyway, I want I want Lou Dort on my team. I want that perfectly understood by America. I want Lou Dort on my team. I just need him to be a little bit more efficient offensively. Sounds like you don't want Lou Dort on your team, Barry. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, all right, who are we going? Uh, it's my turn, right? It's my. I turn. think it's your turn. I've got to go with Poku. Um, go with Poku. I will go with Alexei Pokushevsky, um, who Barry. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it all that much, but I watching Poku in the preseason told me that I was. I was dumb to give up on him so early when, when he's still so young because I was just basically like, you know, this guy, we've got a two-year sample size of him being a really bad NBA player. 
he's going to have to turn so much around. But then you look at his age and, you know, there's there's rookies that are older than him and just coming into the league. And not only are they coming into the league from, you know, playing in at big-time colleges and stuff like that, but Poku is coming from across the world and he was playing in uh, second division in Greece, which I don't know how good the basketball is over there, but um, I don't think it's very good in the second division. So I say all this to say that Poku really impressed me in the preseason. He, I thought he had some good moments um, a couple of nights ago. He finished three for 10, uh, seven rebounds, three assists, 11 points. Now everyone is going to talk about the Shaq in the Fool moments where, you know, his left-hander, left-handed layup clangs off the backboard at, at the end of the game. He forces up another. Um, he did not have a good final two to three minutes, but um, – there were some moments, I think, to, to be encouraged by. I thought he played pretty well. He's got a nice passing touch. I think he's shown that. He had a couple of nice passes. Heck, I mean, he only had only had three assists, so good for him. And um, he's, like, doing it within the offense. Like, it used to right. be Poku was out there by himself yeah. doing his own thing, but now he looks like he's, like, part of the team. Yeah, and he rebounded well. He had seven rebounds, I think, and – uh, block shot, sort of a nifty block shot. I think he blocked Gobert, if I remember right, mm-hmm. or Towns, either Towns or Gobert, which is not easy to do. Um, if he could just omit those two shots a game that look like they came out of, you know, the Class C, uh, Class C regional semifinals. Um, you know, real NBA players. We'll hit the side of the backboard or shoot an air ball or, you know, some errant shot like that once a month. And he's doing it twice a game. And that just worries the dickens out of me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I why guess the only I, thing is we, we used to count on that almost every game. Whenever he was in there, you were waiting on those moments. So now they are fewer and, and farther between, but they still pop up. Yeah. So that, that's. Maybe two years from now, so that's all gone. I thought he stood in there better. Now he didn't score real well from the from the restricted circle. Um, you know, Go Go Bear is going to bother anybody. That wasn't a really you know prime opportunity. But um, but I do see what they mean when when you know Dagnall talked about the. Uh, the uh, in improvement and he's getting better and, and going to be better. How surprised were you when you saw he's trotting out there starting at center? Extremely surprised. I mean, I thought he was going to start, but I thought it was going to be Robinson Earl at center and Poku at the four. Um, I was even more surprised that Kenrich Williams was in the starting lineup and that's not a knock on who Kenrich is as a player. We know how good he is, but they just love him as that stabilizer with the second unit. So to see him start next to Poku, especially in this matchup, um, I thought that was something. And I, you know, I can, I asked Mark Dagnalt about it and I can see his line of thinking because there's no way the Thunder can come close to matching Minnesota size. So why not try to do the opposite and have Kenrich Williams and Poku hang out a, around the perimeter um, and try to pull those guys, especially Gobert, away from the basket. So um, I thought the game plan was was pretty sound in doing that. And, you know, here's the deal on Poku. Like, Poku at the beginning of last season wasn't playing that much, and he certainly wasn't closing in games early in the year that mattered. 
Um, but in this game, he starts, um, you know, season opener. It was it was a pretty loud crowd there in Minnesota. Everyone wanted to see Gobert's debut. And Dagnall trusts them to play in the, the final few minutes. So I think that tells you what they think of his progress. I, I think some of us, myself included, wants to – see more i want to get through a quarter of the season see what he looks like half the season see what he looks like um but yeah i was i was surprised yeah and um if he can get himself into where he's you know functioning pretty well he showed he's rather versatile i mean he played center the other day defensive center in a game in which the Thunder hung with a really good team. Mm-hmm. He's his versatility is going to be valuable if he is able to make it. And he's a um, he's a really good passer, especially for that position. Yeah. So he was working some two man game with Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, I thought that was kind of a new wrinkle. Um, so so yeah, I'm. It's it's still wait and see, but there's there's some good moments, there's some bad moments, but let's move on from Poku. We both have. We both have two picks left. Who who is next on your list, Barry? Both I guess one. I'm gonna go. I guess I'm gonna go with the eternal, uh, the eternal dilemma, Darius Baisley. Um, I Baisley. Okay. I did too, but I didn't. I didn't. He's sort of cursed. I thought he played okay, and then I come away thinking. Well, I'm not all, still not all that optimistic, but his numbers were solid. He made his only three. He had six rebounds. He had a big um, block. He had he had a big block. He had three three assists. Um, he's playing, you know, inside against against big guys. So I was intrigued by the rotation because if I'm not mistaken. He was like the ninth or tenth guy to get in the floor, if I remember right. I'll look that up. But I, I thought that was a little peculiar because I figured he would he'd be one of the earlier guys going. Here, here's the rotation. Yeah, I think Let's he see. was behind Man, Robinson Earl, and Jalen Williams. Yeah, Man comes in at five nineteen. Uh, Robinson Earl comes in at four thirty six. Santa Clara at four thirty six, and then Baisley at two fifty. So he's the ninth guy on on the court. Um, and I just, uh, that, that struck me as a little, I don't, I don't think Dagnault has any kind of true rotation pattern yet. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if trade there's man. ever going to be like a pattern. We well, see well you, 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 you're probably right. But in other words, I don't know that he's ninth in Dagnault's mind in terms of who he wants to play. Right. Um, but, I did, uh, for some reason, that struck me as odd. A team like this, heck, for all I know, I think we know he's not going to start, right, ever? I don't Basically know. I mean, st- I, I don't if he doesn't start I, against Minnesota, why would what other team would I, he be best suited to start against? It's a great question, but I'm, I wouldn't – I mean, if he starts tomorrow against the Nuggets, like I'd be surprised, yeah, but it wouldn't be like this, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? Just because I, I think – I basically described it. The Thunder has three full-time starters in Giddy, SGA, and Dort. And I'm at the point where I think Poku's going to start more often than not. Um, and he'll probably finish fourth on the team in starts uh, if everyone stayed healthy. But 
those those last two spots, those front core spots, I think we're going to see all sorts of um, different machinations and everything like that. Probably so. Probably so. But anyway, I thought he played pretty well. Um, let's see. Did he have a turn, two turnovers? Number fifty-five. Uh, his debut in fifty-five. Uh, yeah, he didn't. He did not have a turnover. Uh, yeah, the fifty-five sticks in my crawl because he wouldn't tell us why he switched to fifty-five. So I don't like that kind of secrecy Dar- at all. Darius Baisley's a man of mystery. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, Do you like uh, Eugene's ninety-seven? I would have said before a year ago, I would have said, no, I don't like it. It's ridiculous. But then my granddaughter, who plays third base on the 14 under tribute, picked as her number 82. <laughs> and that I feels we asked, more random than 97. Yeah, yeah, I said, why'd you pick 82? She said, I just figured I'd get a number nobody else would ever pick. And I'd say, well, I can't argue with that. And so, <laughs> you know, so if I'm going to criticize, uh, you know, uh, Eugene, I'm going to have to criticize Sades. And guess what? I'm not going to criticize Sades. Yeah. So, Eugene, knock yourself out at 97. I, I looked this up the other day, but he's only the second player in NBA history to wear 97. And who was the first? The first was Broderick Thomas, who I had frankly never heard of. but he actually Broderick played... Thomas played defensive end for Nebraska. <laughs> well, he also he played ain't. for the Celtics last season. Bro- last season? Yeah, last season. Wonder if he's a, is it possible that Eugene is already the greatest player in NBA history wearing ninety seven? Well, see, I don't know about this because I feel like I know the league pretty well, but Broderick Thomas played in twelve games for the Celtics. Year oh, before yeah. that, he played in twenty eight games for the Cavs. So he's played in forty four games. So I'm still gonna give the edge to Broderick Thomas, who um Barry, you're going to love this. Do you, do you know where Broderick Thomas, not the Nebraska guy, where, where he went to college, the, the one I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. I never I have, no, I have no idea. Truman State University in, like, Kirksville, Missouri. Kirksville, Missouri. Used to be Northeast Missouri, I think. Oh, I got really? a friend. I had a friend who graduated from uh, medical school up there that's sort of affiliated with Truman State. Have you been so, to Kirksville, Missouri? I have never been to Kirksville, Missouri. Okay, see, I would like to go. I was recording I like a, the Dream Team pod yesterday with Brett and John Hamm and Andrew Schlecht, and I brought up Truman State because I I, I think it's a fantastic nugget. And um, I don't know how your name came up, but I was like, I bet Barry's been to Kirksville, Missouri and can probably tell you what highway it's off of or something. So I'm a little disappointed, Barry. I have not done a whole lot of northeast Missouri travel other than I drove from Iowa City to Memphis one time, and you hug the Mississippi River on the Missouri side. So Hannibal, Moe, and places like that. But true, Kirksville's not on the border, so it's it's inland pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, no, I haven't been there. I have not been there. Broderick Thomas. Never heard of the guy. Broderick, That's the darndest thing. Broderick Thomas. Um, anyway, moving on from Broderick Thomas. He's not my selection okay. for the last guy. Here's, what, gonna, I yes, yes, Here's yes, what I want to do. Yes, yes, yes. Here's what I want to do. Let's give it a month, two, three, whatever. Whenever you feel like Eugene has passed Broderick Thomas <laughs> on the greatest player deal. We'll look at their then, career their career well, war we'll on basketball We will do, we'll do a list. We'll do a list. The 100 greatest players, the best player at each number of position in NBA history. That's what we'll do. Okay. So, but so we're, we're not going to do it. would have uh, 97. I, I, I would guess they're going to have zero. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to look it up. I don't. I'm not big on numbers. So I don't know what they are. But I like I like looking up that kind of stuff. But I don't want to do it if I got to sit there and talk about Broderick Thomas because uh, I'd rather talk about Eugene. <laughs> All right. Uh, last on my list. Um, there, there's a couple ways I can go. Um, I'm going to pick Josh Giddy just because the stat line stands out: 14 points, 11 rebounds. You know, the Josh. He, he had an assist off an inbounds play, something we see all the time from him and sort of get numb to. Um, had some awesome cross-court passes. I bring him up because I didn't mention this when we were talking about Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But um, after the after the game the other night, I asked Mark Dignall what he thought of Shea's game. And he said, um, I thought he, was, he, he complimented him and everything coming back after not playing in the preseason. But then he said he's got to play faster, not just Shea, but Josh. And Dagnall made that a really big point, that those two guys have to push the ball, especially against a slow-footed team like uh, the Timberwolves when they've got Towns and Gobert running up and down the floor. Um, and he, Dagnall said today after practice, you know, you've either got to be – he, he was basically like, you can't be slow and unorganized. Like, if you're going to play slow, you got to be organized. Um, and he was saying sometimes they were playing slow and they were unorganized on four to five possessions. So um, just something to watch for with this team because I think Getty can probably get into get them into stuff quickly. I think they play enough guys who can handle the ball, grab a defensive rebound, push it up the floor. I think Shea is – interesting because he plays at a much slower pace um, and I think ideally that's what he's most comfortable with so seeing how he and Josh sort of handle that I think it's going to be a good point uh, key point to watch well I love Giddy everybody knows that but I have a question for him and um, for, for and him maybe for, you, for him but I'm going to need your support <laughs> you think we could talk him into starting to go by Joshua that's actually Joshua's his official name, his real name. Yeah, but why? Would if, he, I don't. I don't see where you're going with this. Well, I think it'd be cool. We got on, on this here team. We've got an Isaiah, thanks to Isaiah Joe. And we got us a Jeremiah, thanks to Robinson Earl. And you put in a Joshua, and you're starting to get a quorum of the major figures of the Old Testament. <laughs> and you know, we've had Moses Brown already come through town. Uh, maybe he comes back through. And uh, it, I think it'd be cool to have a whole t- like ten guys with with Old Testament prophets or, or or Jewish leaders. I think that'd be a really cool roster. I think the so. Old Testament's missing allegiance. Yeah, Lug- yeah, Lugans is not. Uh, uh, I, th- I think that, that's probably uh, some sort of uh, I don't know the Persians or some place. Bob probably came up with that one. That's so. Um, but yeah, Joshua Giddy. It, it probably doesn't sound as Josh Giddy sounds better. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm probably keep it I'm, Josh, but I'm probably swimming upstream on that one. I'm glad that um, was your uh, main takeaway from what I just said about Josh Giddy. <laughs> well, I mean, you said it well. You said it well. They did. You know what? Dagnault, Just talking about that stuff. Dagnall's impressing me as a coach. I mean, he's a pretty good coach. I think he is too. He's got these guys playing somewhat cohesively, and he's got high concepts. Like, yeah, it's a great game, but if you'd played a lot faster, it portends much better for our future. Yeah, he you called guys. it a silent killer, them playing slow, a silent killer. Yeah. So I thought that was that's interesting. Yeah. So 
Uh, I, I, I guess that'd be a good topic for another pod is why the Thunder is better off playing fast. And yeah. the reason is they don't have a bunch of, you know, huge monsters that they can just go in and bully people around. So, yeah, um, I'm hoping to write a story on that. Need to need to write a story, do a pod on it uh, sometime here in the next, you know, maybe next week or so, because I think it's going to be an important point. Um, yeah, well, all right. Those are those are the six we picked. We left out. Um, it's the first game, so I feel like we're we're um, should mention everyone. Kenrich Williams only played twenty two minutes, and he did he did start. He was minus thirteen. Um, Trey Mann. I thought this is how I feel about Trey Mann. It seems like he. I'm always impressed by him, even when he doesn't shoot the ball well, just because of the way he gets to a shot like. It's like even when he misses, it's still open because no one can guard that step back. So I still like Trey Mann quite a bit, and I'm excited to see um, how his shot progresses this year. Uh, not much to talk about from Robinson Earl. Jalen Williams went out early. The other one didn't play. Usman Jang kind of floated around for nine minutes and, and didn't do much. But I think, I mean, he's 19 years old. It's his first NBA game. Um he wasn't the best Frenchman on the floor. It was it was a tough matchup. Yeah. Now I, I will go. But I will say I do think there is something to say about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Okay. And that he was a fouling machine. Oh my God! He had like four fouls in eight minutes. Four fouls in eight first half minutes. <laughs> now maybe that's a product of playing against Towns and Gobert. I don't know. But he got he's got to cut that out. I don't know what's going on there. He's got he can't foul that much. He can't foul that much. And and because he racked up so many fouls, I think that's why I'm not sure if Mike Mascala would have played the other night, but I think he played seven and a half minutes because they were running out of bodies. because uh, Surely oh Dagnaught would have played him just as a Minnesota gesture. Yeah. You think? I mean they took home and put him on an airplane. Uh, just because he's from in Minnesota, so why wouldn't you wouldn't you let Muskie get in the game? I don't know, but the foul line is where the Thunder lost the game. If we're into winning and losing, which we're not into <laughs> winning and losing, but that's where they lost the game. Thunder shot twenty two foul shots. The T Wolves shoot thirty three. There's the ball game. That's your game right there. They were both. How about this, Barry? They both shot eighty one point eight percent from the foul line. Yeah, and you know the play. Does anybody know the, the play of the game? was uh, made by Rudy Gobert, not surprisingly. But so Thunder gets it to 111-108, 12 seconds left, fouls. And I forgot who went to the line, McDaniel or somebody, I think. And uh, he makes the first, makes it 112-108, but still, you know, interesting. And then he misses the second, and Gobert tips it away to somebody and foul again and there's your ball game yeah so didn't you know anthony edwards i think so uh anyway uh, rudy gobert is a heck of a player they're going to miss him in salt lake but um i don't know barry did you see what the jazz did they took apart the nuggets <laughs> people are already worried about the nuggets <laughs> and, and jazz, jazz fans six. are already worried about the jazz in the victor Wembanyama sweepstakes well, yeah, they ought to be for crying out loud. I had them. I had them penciled in at sixteen wins. Are they going to? What are they going to go forty and forty-two all of a sudden? Maybe they are. I don't know. That was that Wait, was wild. 
Um, by the way, we didn't mention my favorite Thunder player, Isaiah Joe, who played 11 seconds. Um, I did. I did mention Isaiah Joe. He's one of the Old Testament prophets. Oh, so, yeah, you did. Yeah, so that, he was he a, was a minus two in his 11 seconds because he checked in for what should have been an offense, you know, only possession at the end of the quarter, and that's when the Thunder turned it over and oh, Rudy yeah. Gobert made a m- miraculous runner to beat the buzzer. A run, a runner. Yeah, he he, he made a 18 foot runner, probably the first of his career. <laughs> when that ball, I was sitting on that side. I was like, "There's no chance this is going in." Um, and then it goes in, and the crowd goes crazy. They they were chanting for Rudy. They uh, the fans in Minneapolis are are happy, and and I'm happy for them. Yeah, good for them. Maybe they'll do well. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't wish them any will, ill will. I like Rudy Gobert. I've always thought that. I thought Jalen Daniels was awesome. By the way, he yeah. was awesome. But here's the thing: any team that's relying on D'Angelo Russell to play well, I don't think it's going to end. I don't think it's going to end great for you. So. Um, just just a word of warning. <laughs> you know, Russell has he had some good moments last year, and I think I think he understands he's not the guy on this team. He's not even the, I mean he's the the fourth guy on this team. So if he if he can play with that sort of mindset, I think it could work. But yeah, that that fit is is not great. It's not great. Um, but, and it, but it but it warms my heart to know that when the when the uh, Timberwolves traded uh, Andrew Wiggins straight up for him, they also the T Wolves also threw in a couple of first round draft picks. So that that makes me feel better about Minnesota <laughs> for crying out loud. <laughs> oh boy! Um, I will one other note. This is in the weeds, but I think our listeners will uh, will care about this. Lindy Waters the third was inactive, which kind of tells you how hard it is for I mean you literally can't get on the floor if you're inactive but there's there's a lot of young guys on this team and not enough minutes to to play them all but I thought you know that was that was a little bit of a bummer if you're hoping for him to get on a standard contract I have a question for you um basically you get 15 guys right you got to make two two of them inactive why Oh, I don't know. Well, why do you have to have inactives? I, I would like to there. listen to that debate in the new CBA I don't arguments. I don't understand what the point. Why? I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah, they're they're sitting on the bench anyway. They're just they're there anyway. Clothes. Yeah, there's not any. Is it a scorebook thing? Does the standard NBA scorebook <laughs> only go 13 deep? Is that what it is? I don't know. If that's what it is, then okay, I can accept that answer. But I don't like rules that just exist for no good reason and that seems to be a rule that exists for no good reason Mm -hmm. it kept us from seeing a former collegiate all-american and luca garza who plays for the timberwolves oh the iowa man the iowa man huh that's interesting uh real quick as we wrap up here barry um i don't want to talk too much about it because the the thing is going to happen uh by the time this might be published so um, but the Thunder plays the they play the Nuggets on Saturday night in Denver. Denver did not look good, uh, as we mentioned against the Jazz. Just uh, another thing to to watch in this game is the the Nuggets are playing tonight, Friday night at Golden State, and then coming back home for their home opener um, against the Thunder. So I don't, you know, who knows what could happen on a second night of a back to back. The Thunder played the Nuggets 
really well last year. Um, the Nuggets always seem to play down to the Thunder, but might be a little motivated after that Jazz game. Any thoughts on uh, what you expect to see tomorrow? I Well, who knows what will happen tonight, but I assume Golden State might beat Denver. Yeah, um, The Warriors are fairly accomplished. So if you're looking at an 0-2 Nuggets team, I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to hurt the Thunder's lottery chances to catch to catch Denver at such a time mm-hmm. because they'll be sore, they'll be angry. Uh, the fans probably are already saying, "What the heck's going on?" So um, you don't want to lose to the Jazz and the Thunder in two of your th- first three games. No, you don't. Um, teams that that, that want to lose to you you don't want to lose to them that's yeah. the way that's the unwritten rule of the NBA so um, people were really high on Denver I was not as much um, nothing against them I just think there's a lot there's better teams in the West so um, like the Lakers. Well, no, I don't think the Lakers. I don't think. Oh man, your your good friend Russell. Man, what a what a Holy rough cow. night. Oh, but I I do think the Thunder's going to get the Denver's best shot. I'll say that. That's yeah. what I'll say. All righty, Barry. Good stuff. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we will be back with you on Tuesday of next week.